performance poet, writer and actress from Scotland. Jenny was the 2021 Scottish Poetry Slam champion and was runner-up in the World Slam Championships in 2021, as well as being host and curator of the Brighton-based spoken word night Rebel Soapbox. She's had feature and headline gigs at nights across the UK, including Hammer and Tong, Loud Poets, Tong Fu, Stanza Poetry Festival and Edinburgh Fringe. As an actress, she was a series regular in 2000 Acres of Sky for the BBC and appeared in various TV and film roles, including Rebus, Man Dancing, Taggart and The Debt Collector. She founded the street art blog Happy Graffiti, which later became a book published by Octopus Books in 2013. She has recently written and performed in her first solo show, Life Learnings of a Nonsensical Human, which I got to see at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and it was absolutely brilliant. She describes herself as the owner of ADHD and dyslexia and we talk a lot in this episode about how receiving an ADHD diagnosis later in life has helped her to further understand herself. We also talk a lot in this episode about grief, so if that is something that you are currently going through, maybe tread carefully with this episode. I really hope you enjoy the episode. It was a joy talking to Jenny. Here's Jenny Folds. pandemic yeah. so yeah I came down here yeah to sunny Brighton and how long had you been in London before that 15 years wow yeah gosh yeah totally I miss it I miss it a lot yeah because all my friends are still there and I kind of miss the hustle and bustle and now that everything's open again and you know it's like a hive of creativity and doing stuff yeah. there's like so much to do and so many good restaurants oh and so God, many yeah. you know all yeah. of that but that being said I definitely feel like London is very hedonistic mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it was very good to me. London's been really good to me yeah. and I feel like I'm moving into the next part the next of my life. Chapter, really. Yeah. The next phase. Yeah. And prior to that, you are Scottish. I am. <laughs> Not prior to that, I still am Scottish. I still am Scottish. Um, <laughs> what was I trying to ask there? Um, prior to that, I lived... I, I am from Edinburgh. <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah, I lived in Edinburgh until yes. I was about 26. Um, okay. I'm old, so... No. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I lived there until uh-huh. I was 26. And then um, I was acting at the time, so my agent was in London, yes. so I moved... I moved down yeah. uh, because my agent was there. So yeah. I thought, I know, um, where the streets... I'll go to London where the streets are paved yeah, with cold. unemployed actors yeah. <laughs> um, and shit ten jobs, um, which is exactly yeah. uh, the case. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. OK, so on a scale of shit to together, how are you feeling today? Today? Uh, um, today... I feel like I never I never actually ever feel like I've totally got my shit okay. together but I feel like I'm in a much better place than I have been uh-huh. in the past like year to three years yeah um and I feel like I've been pretty productive today which is yeah. generally how I feel when I feel like I've got my shit together yeah. is 
productivity yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah. I think that's for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and you've got your Rebel Soapbox. Yes. Four-year anniversary? Happy birthday. Thank you. Four years. Uh, yeah, uh, Rebel Soapbox um, is um, a spoken word poetry night mm-hmm. um, that... I started it in... Um, oh, my God. Yeah. 2019. In 2019. Yeah. And so I was part of the street art and graph scene in um, London for yeah. a bit. Um, I used to have a blog called Happy Graffiti, which promoted positive vandalism. Uh-huh. And um, I, there was a guy, um, there was an artist called Ben Naz who um, who sadly passed away. He had leukaemia. And um, the our group of... Um, kind of artists and pals from Monty's Bar because it was a street art bar. Yeah. Um, that was such a great venue. I've never yeah. been there since. It was. It's such yeah. a great venue, and also it was kind of like Cheers. Like you could yeah. go down on your own, and like um, you'd know everyone. Yeah. But we basically uh, put up a series of events to raise money for Macmillan um, Cancer ah. uh, Charity and um, for Ben's uh, family as well. Um, and they asked me to do a poetry night. A one-off poetry night yeah. um, to raise money for Macmillan, and I was like, "Yeah, sure. What would we call it?" And I was thinking, you know, there's basically a bunch of naughty artists here that write on walls, which is called Rebel Soapbox, Cute. and then Rebel Soapbox was born. Wow! Um, and that and was then, four years. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. four years, and then yeah, so did like those. Um, did it until the February. Uh, well, tw- February 2020 was meant were meant to be live. That's when I performed. No, no, because that, that was because the end. that because then um, the pa- the p- pandemic had kind yeah. of was in full. Uh, everyone got sent home from work, right. and we had to make a decision. The, the bars haven't closed yet, but we had to make a decision whether to uh, hold it because. If you, I don't know if you remember, but that venue downstairs was like a yeah. sweat box yeah, with yeah, no yeah. ventilation, and it was great place people... for COVID to hang out. I mean, exactly. That, yeah. <laughs> COVID and artists. Just... Yeah, totally. <laughs> and and um, and we had to make a decision whether to like do um, do it there, um, kind of in person or not, and we just right. made the decision not to. I say we, I did, um, but then we kind of quickly went online, and then. I kind of realised that the format doesn't didn't really work it was on like on it. It was Instagram Live um, that we were doing it on, um, so I ended up doing uh, conversations with poets, which was basically we would I would interview uh, yes. a performance poet yeah. every month, and then they would do a set, and that was kind of a better format for That's online. That's cool. Uh, but then when we moved to Brighton, mm-hmm. um, the Brunswick where Rebel Soapbox is. Um, it was the first venue that I saw and I walked in and I was like this is fucking perfect mm-hmm. um, and I've been there for two years so it's two years today wow. two years today in Brighton um, no, in, in Brunswick and then yeah. four years so it's four and two wow. so it's like two big anniversaries yeah. oh my gosh well happy birthday thanks very much and just so knowing that you've got that this evening does that make you feel a bit more together or a bit more chaotic um, the format is solid yeah I think I feel like I feel quite together with it. And uh-huh. actually now I've kind of been hosting for four years. Yeah. When I first started hosting, I'd be absolutely shitting myself. Oh my God, yeah. I wasn't kind of... Um, it was the on-the-fly stuff um, yeah. I wasn't comfortable with. But actually it's been such a good skill to learn. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, to kind of yeah. uh, feel that you've got your shit together. Yeah. Because even when I don't... Even when it's a bit haphazard... Nobody really cares. You just got to kind of ride it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And also because the night's been going uh, this long, and uh, we get lots of regular, you know, it's like uh, lots yeah, of familiar faces. Like a community. Yeah, totally. That's so great. we've we're, we've almost sold all the tickets for tonight. So <gasps> great. yeah, amazing. Okay, on that then, yeah. what does having your shit together mean to you? 
Uh, well, uh, um, having my shit together. So, I mean, I spent a lot of my life feeling like I don't have my shit together. So um, I recently had an ADHD diagnosis about uh, two or three years ago. Oh, okay. And um, it's been like a light bulb moment for me. And ever since I've had the diagnosis, one, um, I take medication, but mm-hmm. also I, um, I have an ADHD coach who oh, helps wow. me with strategies. So yeah. actually what I've realised is having my shit together looks like having a... A, a routine yeah <laughs> having something having like turning up for myself yeah um, and being disciplined to turn yeah. up and actually it can be as little and it sounds so small and it probably to everyone else um, but the thing about having ADHD is our executive function is essentially fucked so um, so we need to so one of my my strategies is having a morning routine, which is okay. like I need to get up at the same time every morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as I get up, I need to make my bed, and then as soon as I make my bed, I need to get showered and ready. And then as soon as I've done that, then I need to go for a walk. And then as soon as I've done that, I need to, I've got admin time that I can wow. sit down and answer all the text yeah. messages that I haven't answered. Oh my god, <laughs> which I'm terrible at. Yeah. Um, and then at, at that point, then I sit down and do the thing I'm going to do that day because wow. my reward center has enough dopamine to see me through into oh the next God. part to give me motivation to do it wow so yeah that that for me I know I've got my shit together when I'm hitting those yeah. things and do you feel like you're quite good at keeping on top of that each day it, it depends how uh it depends where I am with my mental health because yeah. if I'm not in a good place then it, it kind of all go, it all goes yeah. awry I suppose it's and quite I, a good marker to like yeah, you know, where you're at, if, like your bed's still unmade and stuff like that. You're like, wow, okay. Yeah, totally. And it's, it, it, I mean, anyone who listens to this who's known me for years will be like, fucking hell, Jenny, you've changed because I <laughs> because the thing is, I'm I'm, I'm historic. I, I'm like famously very messy and kind of like <laughs> a bit haphazard and chaotic. Whereas, uh-huh. like, I've realised actually the things that help me the most is is trying to put some kind of order yeah. in the middle of the chaos yeah. that is my head even just that though like i feel like so many people would benefit from that structure like me yeah. being self-employed like yeah that, that rigorousness because i think sometimes you can get so flexible with like if i've had a late night then i'll get up a little bit later and mm. but that just kind of fucks me really and like structure wise i end up feeling a bit all over the place totally and actually that was one of the things for me where um i before i had even had a diagnosis uh, the first therapist that I ever went to was during the pandemic, beginning of the pandemic, and I was like, "This, I just don't feel right. There's something that I had brain fog." Yeah. Um, and it was essentially all the novelty. My whole life has been living in novelty, right? Mm. And um, so the novelty is the thing that's been giving me my dopamine. Right, yeah. so I was always out. I was always either I was like quite hedonistic. Yeah, I was uh, always new pals, always festivals, always yeah, yeah, you know, um, gigs. Uh, there was there was never a week that was the same. And then when all that was taken away, it was literally I was went into a dopamine depletion. Right, so which has given me brain fog. Wow. Um, and um, and I spoke to this therapist. I was like, I said to her, like, I, um, if I don't, if I, if I don't get up before at the time because I wasn't I wasn't working at yeah, the time yeah. either if I don't get up before 10 o'clock my whole day's fucked yeah. and I feel like a loser <laughs> yeah no same um, and then it's hard to kind of yeah. bring yourself come back from there but still but, which is so stupid because actually it's only 10 o'clock you've still got yeah. a whole day in front of you yeah. but it's like this psychological barrier that I was feeling at the time so it actually getting up 
uh, getting up at a certain time. I now go to the gym. <laughs> I now get up at like six thirty and go to the gym uh, three times a week, midweek. Mm. And even that, I know when I can't be bothered, um, I make myself, I peel myself out of bed and yeah. go just well, go just ugly. go to this class. I go to the strength training classes. Yeah. And I'm like, if I if I get out of bed to go to that, yeah. I know that I'm going to feel much better when I yeah. come back because I'm up and I'm out. Yeah. So God, it's, like, it's crazy that you've been diagnosed so late. I know. Like, yeah, for, uh, for I was forty two. Wow. Forty two when I got a, oh a diagnosis. Yeah, but it's um, I I was very much ADHD as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I have been in my life, and um, I was hyperactive as a kid, and I, um there was an awareness around my hyperactivity mm. but I think in the early 80s um, ADHD was a kind of an American disorder yeah. for little boys um, who That's were destructive so yeah. right but I was kind of like a little destructive little boy but I was <laughs> I was chaotic I was like a little whirlwind but um, but actually it's interesting um, being diagnosed so late because what comes with it is like a, a sense of grief for your little self um, but also like a, a sense of relief mm. because you can kind of everything kind of falls into place you're yeah. like oh of course it's that it makes because, sense to me yeah because yeah. I, I, I often struggled I, I often struggled with everything I ever did was really messy yeah. right? I've got really messy handwriting mm. so much shame about my handwriting right from when I was a kid yeah. right up until now um, <laughs> in fact um, one time when I was acting um, I did a TV show called 2000 Acres of Sky with the BBC for two years and I was out with my girlfriend at the time we went bowling and uh, these uh, two little 10 year olds came up, they're 12 year olds came up to me and were like, are you Heather McGowan from 2000 Acres of Sky? And I was like, yeah and they were like, can we get your autograph? And I was like, yeah of course, just get me a pen and paper and then, and then they came and I, I signed this bit of paper and then as I turned around to my girlfriend all I heard was, God look at her writing Oh my god! <laughs> Red to film. Oh my god! Well, I'm never doing that again. And I never got asked again. Thank fuck for that. But, um, but, 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 but I was always really, um, yeah, just always had loads of shame around yeah. my handwriting. Um, I was really forgetful. I'm also dyslexic, so they sit really hand in hand, hand in hand, um, and close together. Uh, always felt quite misunderstood. Was always really hyperactive. Um, always felt like I was too much. Always felt like I was not enough. It was yeah. all, all oh, this kind of yeah. like it was really just uh, a lot of complicated feelings. And I wish I'd understood my brain better when I was younger, because I would have been able to put more strategies around it. Because what comes from um, undiagnosed ADHD is there's like self-esteem and confidence issues right so mm. um, on one hand uh, to the world I might look like I'm super super confident mm. um, but also there's a lifetime of feeling like you're a bit of a fuck up yeah. <laughs> that's kind yeah. of like that yeah. so gosh that's so interesting mm. like because when I when I think of my friends who have ADHD there's obviously the downsides to it, but then one of, like, the superpower aspects of it is that they can get so much done mm. and they're so, like, front-footed yeah. in a way that, like, I am not. Like, I think there's benefits to it as well. Yeah, there can be. I think that if you're if you're interested in something... Yes. ...then you can hyper-focus. Yeah. And hyper-focus is... Useful sometimes. Incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible to the point of sometimes... I'll hyper-focus... Like, if I'm hyper-focusing on writing, for instance, mm. 
I will be like, I will sit for 10 hours and I'll oh, write wow. and then I'll be, but then I won't have peed, I won't have drunk anything, I won't have eaten anything. Yeah, so yeah. you're like, it's so in, you kind of look up and it's dark and you're like, wow. oh my God, you know, so it's good, but it's not very yeah, healthy yeah. Uh, at points. But also the thing about hyperfocus, you, you can't choose what you hyperfocus yeah. on. So sometimes it's unhelpful. Yeah. Sometimes you hyperfocus in on things that, are not useful at all mm. and then that's it's because it's like a dysregulation oh right? my so we can't choose the things we're interested yeah. in okay well before the podcast i asked you to think of an object that makes you feel like you've got your shit together yeah what is it my plants your plants yeah yay i no one has said this before yeah I always all right plants. yeah yeah because the thing is plant like your plants are like kind of, of like a, a real life example of you turning up and being disciplined yeah they otherwise are thriving. They'd be, otherwise they'd be dead. Yeah. I mean, this one's kind of waning a bit. Um, I can't remember what this one's called, but um, it, it happens in winter. It's because there's not enough light in here. But, oh, my gosh. Uh, but she'll come back. That's she'll so come beautiful. back in spring. Um, and this one here is like a Christmas cactus, which my mum gave me a cutting off um, wow. about... 10 years ago and then my gran gave her a cutting of her one on her wedding day and this is the cut oh this is one God. of the babies from my grandson it's the generations yeah that's so gorgeous so this will this will uh this should flower because uh, it's a christmas character this should flower next month wow yeah totally so yeah I, um plants were became my new obsession during yeah. the uh, uh during lockdown i mean rapunzel is out yeah. of control yeah <laughs> She's beautiful, though. She is beautiful. Her and hair is tumbling one, down from yeah, the shelf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then this one looks like it's like it should be Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, but, my God, they're yeah. so amazing. So these are the things, they, they make me feel like I've got my shit together because I turn up. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I think when I think I've got my shit together is when I'm dis- I can be disciplined, when yeah. I've got a habit, when I've formed a habit mm-hmm. and I can keep turning up for it. Yeah because I find it really hard to form habits, whereas this has become the best habit ever because they're like my little babies. And it's proof that they're doing well. Yeah. Because I, I kill all of my plants. Do you? Yeah, I'm really bad with them. I'm so forgetful. I you just really forget to... I, yeah, I forget about them or, like, just, like, I'm not that interested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless I see that it's, like, on the floor yeah. and I'll give it a water, but... You I should get these water yeah, bottles. Yeah, noticed. Because also, if you're a visual person, mm. the plants take what water they need... So you see it go down. Yep. And then when it's empty, you fill it up. That's cool. They're really great. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So I can't believe no one said that before. That's kind of... I'm thinking, I think maybe one of the person, Rosie, might have said it. But I've I've always thought that more people would say plants. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, There's such a visual signifier of, like... Yeah. Other than, like, a cat or a baby. Well, yeah. You've kept something alive. You've kept something alive. Yeah. It's like the starter cut, I think. Yeah, exactly. You can graduate. Oh, I know. But this is it. It's like yeah. um, it's like if uh, they rely on they rely on you to mm. stay to stay alive. So. Well, they are thriving. They look very happy to be here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's not a jungle. <laughs> Can you tell me about a time in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together? Well, there's two things I would say. One is, I worked in um, I worked in the city of Ooh. London for ten years. Oh my god! I worked in the Gherkin wow. for an asset management company. Oh my god, The Apprentice. I mean, Snoresville, <laughs> um, and in my head, I'm like, I sold my soul for for ten years wow. in the city, um, and 
I kind of, I'm going to say I had my shit together, uh-huh. but I was like turning up for a really boring job every day uh, for 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. yeah. So I had a pension and like healthcare, you Love know, that like that, that's kind of like, <laughs> um, I kind of like uh, inverted commas having my shit together. Mm-hmm. So like, I suppose that's the standard version of having my shit yeah. together. Yeah. But actually, if I think about, um, if I think really about it, I would say, um, I've, I did my show at Edinburgh this year mm-hmm. and uh, being disciplined enough to write a show. Oh, my God. And then, um, you know, do it at Brighton Fringe and then take it to Edinburgh. That, for me, I was really proud of myself yeah. for that. And I felt like, I felt like, oh, I've, I'm doing I'm doing the thing. I'm yeah. doing my thing. Yeah. This is the thing I want to do. And I never, ever thought I would be capable of... Um, I never thought I'd be a writer, one mm. thing, because I'm dyslexic and I'm like, I used to hate, uh, I used to just have loads of shame around reading and uh, or, or not being able to read very well. Yeah. And, like, um, I was always better at saying words out loud than writing them down mm. on a page. Um, and since I got into performance poetry, it's definitely, um, it's definitely alleviated that feeling. I feel like... Um, I don't know, I feel capable now, which is something I've never done, I've never felt before. And when I was up doing it and up on stage um, on the last night of my run, I felt like I had my shit together. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Because I was like, oh, this is where I'm meant to, this is where I belong. Definitely. And I got the pleasure of seeing it at the Fringe and it was amazing. Like, I was so proud of you. Crying away in the audience. Um, (laughs) So tell us about, tell us about it then. What, what is the play? What? Um, So it's spoken word Mm theatre and um, it's called Life Learnings of a Nonsensical Human, Mm -hmm. which is, um, I'm the nonsensical human. (laughs) It's kind of memoir, I would say. It's a life so far. Yeah. Um, It's, you know, um, it basically the 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 premise is uh, welcome to my brain, my ADHD brain. <laughs> These are the things I think about. Yeah. Um, it's essentially twenty two pieces strung together. Yeah. And each piece is a memory or um, something that's happened in my mm. life. Um, and it goes from nineteen ninety three to now. Yeah. So it's like a it's a life so far, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about raving, queerness, and finding joy amidst grief. Mm-hmm. Finding joy in the most unlikely places um, amidst grief, not after grief. Because yeah. um, I lost my dad last year, and uh, and grief is a weird thing. But um, I have felt joy since he's died, and I continue to feel joy and find joy in the most unlikely places. Because actually, when I find joy now it isn't necessarily in the places I used to find it mm-hmm. it's changed the way yeah. I see the world it's That's so losing him yeah. yeah so um so I wanted to write I, I started I'd started writing the show before he died and then he died and the show took a whole different um a whole different um direction and actually he's in the heart of it which is interesting my dad was quite um my dad was quite conservative in ways um um, and he would often be like, get a real job. <laughs> you know, when I was acting, it would be like, you need to get a real job. And actually, probably he's part of the reason I ended up working in the city for yeah. 10 years, really. But um, but um, it's kind of, I, I talk about, I talk about the, um, 
I talk about the, the you know the day before he died, and I talk about losing him and yeah. um and how that's and how, I suppose hitting rock bottom in grief, um but finishing on joy. So it's like a bit of a roller coaster for everyone who comes to see it. But yeah. um but yeah, I I'm dead proud of it. I'm I'm hope I'm trying to put together a tour for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on at the Old Market Theatre on the 14th of March as oh well, gosh, so in Brighton. So. And how did you find, like, the act of... Because you said that you never saw yourself as a writer. Mm. Um, when did you start writing? Um, I ended up... Um, have you been to a Burns Night? Uh, I have never been to one. You've never I've been to a Burns no, Night? No, I definitely should, though. We should go to a Burns yes. Night. Yes. A lot of fun. Uh-huh. It's essentially um, uh, just another excuse for Scottish folk to <laughs> have a big party, have an old big old knees up. Yeah. Um, um, so my friend uh, ran, uh, runs a, a Burns night that happens in Oxted, and yeah. she asked me if I would write uh, the address to the laddies. So there's the traditions of Burns Night are um, there's a lot of Burns poetry there's the address to the haggis and then there's <laughs> and then there's the address I know the haggis gets piped into the room it gets, it gets stabbed oh with, a, with a ski and do uh, which is a knife yeah. in, a, in a sock I don't know if you've have you ever heard of a ski and do yeah, yeah. You, you should know about a ski and do sure. no? <laughs> Um, yeah, skin do is the the knife that's in the um, when when uh, Scottish or uh, well, when you're wearing Scottish regale, when yeah, men are wearing yeah. Scottish regale and a kilt, there's a knife okay. in the sock called a skin do. Yeah. Anyway, that they stab the um, they stab the haggis, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and then after dinner, usually a man addresses the women and a woman addresses the ah. men, address the laddies and address the lassies. It's a bit dusty and archaic, um, but. Um, I my friend asked me to do it at yeah. Burns Night and I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing it. Um, I hadn't performed in ten years, well, wow. eight years. Um, I was I had never written anything, so I was like, why, why would you want me to do it? She said, would you just give it a go? And I was like, so I started writing something, and I was like, oh, I should quit like this. And then so I wrote it, did it. Um, yeah, it was like uh, my friend filmed it. It was about two hundred people. Um, my friend filmed it. And it was like my like it was like the light bulb moment on on this video, and yeah. she shared it. We shared it online, and it got like fifteen thousand like wow. viewers. You know, it was like quite it yeah, was quite yeah. quickly got seen um, by by lots of people. And um, uh, yeah, I had a had, weirdly had a life coach at the time, and he was he really Ali. He really helped me um, around kind of self belief and. Yeah. Um, and taking chances and being brave and all this stuff and um, so I sent it to a couple of um, spoken word nights in London and it ended up doing Rounds of Orange um, mm. uh, and then winning the open mic there and then did a 10 minute set it ended up, uh, they asked they asked me to be part of their collective so I joined them and we ended up writing we were writing and performing 10 minutes of new material every month that's amazing so by the end of I mean I was with them for two or three years but yeah. um, it came away with a couple of hours worth of material because yeah. the play that you did at Edinburgh was kind of extracts of poems that you've like standalone poems that you've written yeah for the past few years that you've kind of tied together yes yeah, uh, yeah it's interesting because the um, when you like the, the show Everything before my dad died. Yeah. 
was written before my dad died. Yeah. And everything after my dad died in the play, in the show, was written after he died. And it's I've changed a lot. Mm. How I write, cha- how I write really changed. Um, the things I write about has changed. You know, it kind of feels like when I first got into it, I wanted to write comedy. I wanted to be funny. And it is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's it's it, it it's interesting because I think actually when I first started doing it, because when I acted, I wanted to do comedy, but I always got cast in drama. Mm. And I well, wanted to... people who can do comedy can do drama really well. Because yeah, but I never got cast in comedy. Yeah. This was the thing. But I I wanted to do comedy, and then and then as I kind of went on you kind of you realise obviously life's not like that and it's like it's not one note and I don't want to be one note either so yeah. it, it you know as I kind of I mean I've been writing I've only been writing for about six years but as I've kind of gone on it's definitely more complex than that but now I just feel like I just write about uh, grief <laughs> I just yeah. write about grief and dying now um, but um, but it's it's definitely two there's definitely two parts to the to my show yeah it's the, the like funny stuff yeah the silly stuff and then the um, and then the sad stuff. Yeah. But it's life in it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. A time in your life where you felt like you really didn't have your shit together. <laughs> oh god, there's so many of them. <laughs> um I mean, oh god, there's there's just yeah, I've just kind of had a <laughs> lifetime of not having my shit together. I've been a bit of I'm I've just historically been really wayward. I've that I'm I'm the most I've got my shit together now than I've ever had before. Which is kinda of, I think it comes with age. But um I definitely felt uh during the pandemic mm-hmm. uh was a really hairy time. <laughs> there was a lot going on. I kind of feel like not only did we have the existential crisis yes. of uh, the world falling apart, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I got made redundant, mm. and then I was going through a breakup, and um, and then my friend died, wow. and then you know, there was it was just like a bunch yeah, of stuff yeah. that happened, and I think the kind of nothing makes you have a look at yourself than. Uh, losing a lot <laughs> I think yeah. there was a lot of loss around about that time and I guess with the pandemic as well there wasn't much distraction so you would really just having to fucking face it yeah, yeah totally and going through it I think that's the thing is like I definitely feel like at that point in my life I felt the most um helpless I suppose yeah. would be a word and I and not having my shit together in the sense that um I lost I lost all the anchor points that you would think the tethers yeah totally so um so i like my i was i used to live in stoke newington in london and i lived there for i lived in my flat for about 10 years and um i had to move out of the flat um at the same time as that so then i moved down here so i moved to a new city yeah um yeah, kind of. Um, God. Yeah, it, it, there was just, there was so much going they on. They say like moving house is one of the most stressful things you can do, but you were doing that and and all of the other things. Yeah, as well. yeah. totally. Oh, I know, but, but I definitely I definitely feel like um, the the feeling of um, being untethered yeah. is the thing of uh, feeling that you don't have your shit together. Hundred um, percent. I remember actually years ago. This is like um, this is off piste, but. Um, I've got my big group of pals in London, and uh, I remember one. I remember uh, one of them saying, "Jenny, you just got your shit together, don't you?" And I remember just being like, "Wow! If yeah. only you knew! If yeah. only you knew!" Yeah. 
I was like, really? Do you think I've got my shit together? You said you just you just kind of seem like you've got you've just got your shit together, and I just, it was like this imposter syndrome oh thing of God. going like, wow, this is if this is what having your shit together <laughs> looks like. Oh my god. Oh my god, that's yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but yes. Definitely, um, yeah, the pandemic. I think for everyone, the pandemic was just a fucking shit show, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I mean, I used to take a lot of drugs. Mm. I had a lot of fun. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I had I had a lot of fun. And, um, and actually, now I know, with my ADHD, I know that um, a lot of the reason... Well, uh, one, you're giving yourself dopamine... Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like mainline yeah, yeah, dopamine, yeah. you know, and then, but then also, um, the fact that everybody's you you you're not too much because everyone's too much. Yeah, <laughs> so for then, sure. So then you almost become like the norm. The norm, yeah. <laughs> and also, what, what what those kind of drugs do to you, like mm. a- actually stimulant drugs, um, quite in our make us organized. Yeah, they, uh, you feel less chaotic. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it kind of, it, it make it kind of makes sense, but, um, but it was, a, there was a lot of going out. It was when I first moved to London. It was like, a, it was very kind of, um, it was kind of very haphazard, but it was fine. I was kind of like, well, I was just in my mid twenties. I think yeah. that's what everyone. That's why I moved to London. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a fun town. Yeah. Um, but had didn't have much to show for it <laughs> i think mm-hmm. that's the thing yeah i don't know what's worse is like having you know trying to keep all your shit together uh-huh. and having you know having a house and like um try like having tethers and trying to yeah. keep that together or like not or, or being untethered and just being able to just, just riding it just riding it yeah. yeah so at the time when when you say like during the pandemic and stuff when you really felt like you didn't what helped you out of that moment do you think I mean, it's a work in progress, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it's, um, I mean, therapies. Yeah. Yeah, I've been having therapy. I've been having therapy for about three years and mm-hmm. I hadn't had therapy before. And it's a game changer. Mm. It's a real, like, an opportunity to have a look at yourself. Definitely. I always <clears> say <throat> that, like, the best thing that you can invest in in that way is yourself because yeah. that is the relationship that you're going to have to maintain for a really long time. And getting to know yourself is, like so valuable yeah absolutely but also like i think we can all be painfully unaware of Mm. (laughs) of of the effects of you know childhood stuff or um or certain friendships or relationships or attachments or all this stuff and when you've got an opportunity to take a step back and view it, yeah, it just it's a game changer. Yeah, it does make me approach things differently and approach people differently. It makes you take stock. I think doesn't it? I think so often in life we can just like roll through it, and mm. sometimes it gets to the end of the month and I literally couldn't tell you what I'd done the week before because I'm just like on this conveyor belt of life. And I guess that's why people like journaling so much, or like yeah. why people go to church and pray or something like it's it's so important to have a moment to just reflect yeah and I've, I've I think less and less people are doing that now. yeah totally and I I I also think those things are again it's discipline yeah doing it for sure turning up for yourself yeah yeah I think that's what therapy can be yeah. like as well yeah um I think that's what therapy can be like as well in the sense that um some days you go and yeah. you don't want to look at yourself oh my god no you talk about anything other than yourself. Yeah, <laughs> but 
those are the days that you should t- be looking at yourself yeah, <laughs> you know um, or at least looking at a different part of yourself yeah. um, but it definitely I uh, I recognise that I like so even you know relationships yeah I will now go move into a relationship in a different way than yeah. I've ever done before because I'm aware of one my patterns yes which is like I've never been aware of, or I've never had someone say to me, "Do yeah. you realise this, this, and this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I kind of, I suppose, I kind of knew it, but I didn't put, have a name mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but also, it's allowing it allows you to have compassion for yourself. Definitely. Which I think I think we could all do with being a bit kinder to ourselves. Mm. Just I think a lot of people beat ourselves we beat ourselves up for the stupidest things when actually everyone's doing their best, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. Three things that make you feel like shit. Three things that make me feel like shit. One is um people who are inconsistent. Okay. Like, what do you mean by that? Like don't show up. Yeah, I feel like um from an attachment point of view, mm-hmm. if I, if 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 someone's not turning up for me the yeah. way that they've said they would, yeah, or or if we're not kind of matching each other, yeah, then I kind of feel like I'm on the back foot, yeah, or I feel like I'm giving too much, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. kind of makes me feel like shit. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, because I think on the attachment thing, like I can get like small t triggered like my my anxiousness can get triggered if someone's not being consistent right yeah and can make me feel more needy yeah but i'm actually not a very needy person but it's just because i'm like i'm finding it really hard to know like where i stand or yeah. that sort of stuff and it makes me feel really shit yeah, yeah. totally and that but that like it's under it's interesting i'm trying to understand like attachment style where yeah. you're like oh my god i do do that or yeah, like yeah um or my attachment style changes with different people mm. I think sometimes probably... It, How calm people make you feel, maybe, or... Yeah, or if someone's yeah. dead secure, mm. and it, it's just, you know, you can kind of mirror, you kind of almost yeah. mirror that, that that feeling of, yeah. oh, yeah, this this is great, you yeah. know, but if someone is is avoidant or yeah. hides, uh-huh. then it makes you more... Needy. Needy or, like, more yeah. uh, more anxious, and then... But then if someone's anxious, then sometimes it that makes, makes you... That makes you avoid yeah, it, totally. It's so funny. It's, it's, it's such just, a moving thing. It is. It yeah, really yeah. is. But, yeah, that, that makes me feel like shit, I think, if yeah. I think from a people point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah, not having any... Not having a routine. Yeah. Makes me feel like shit. Yeah. Um, and not being creative. Not being creative. Makes me feel yeah. like shit. But then that's, like, a double-edged sword, because uh, sometimes... You can't be creative because you can't squeeze it out of yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't just happen all the no, time. I know. But but again, it's that thing of turning up for yourself, where like, I don't know if you you know if you do free writing. Yeah. Ten minutes of free writing. Yeah. It's like dusting down your head. It's creating the environment for creativity to inhabit. Yeah. yeah rather totally. than sitting down and be like, I'm going to write a poem now, but turning up every day and like free writing, eventually you'll be in present, you'll start to be inspired by things yeah. and stuff or like that. Or just the act of, of yeah. moving a pen and writing yeah. and actually just, you know, it doesn't have to be good. Yeah. Because <laughs> actually being creative isn't just about being good. No. It's making something new that wasn't there before, yeah. right? So you're like, 
Um, this is I hate the I hate this uh, idea that you're not a creative person if you're not being paid for it. Yes. Like I had this. I, uh, had this debate at a party once with this girl, with this girl, this woman, um, and she said that she went, I hate when people say that they're creative and they can't and they're not even making any money from it. Was and I was like, well, that's not the thing about being yeah. creative. Being creative is like you feel your most yourself when you're making stuff. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's shit. Yeah, it's like even it's, it's like painting a fucking table or something. Yeah, like, it's yeah. but it's like the act of doing yeah. it. It's not the it's not necessarily the output. Yeah. And, the byproduct of of you know if you're good if you've got talent and you're yeah, creative this, yeah, yeah. that's a different thing but yeah. like just being creative yeah. like kind of puts you at peace yeah, right for sure um but on the writing thing and I saw this thing uh, this week Neil do you know Neil Gaiman yes the master Neil Gaiman who's amazing and wonderful love him so much but he was saying um he was asked on a on a podcast about um his writing process mm-hmm. um and if he gets writer's block and the thing he says he's like he's got his little writing room at the end of the garden mm-hmm. and he's like my only rule is i can go and i can sit and um and not write but um i'm not allowed to do anything else if I'm sitting looking out the window and not writing. Wow. He said sit, looking out the window becomes quite boring after a while, yeah. so you end up writing yeah. because the rule is I'm not allowed to do, do anything else, else apart from looking out the window wow. or writing. So he stops himself from being <gasps> oh distracted because yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing. is like we procrastinate yeah. on... Weirdly, you procrastinate on something that you actually will bring you loads of joy. Yes. Yeah, it's so strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. really it's really weird. Yeah. In fact, so this is the... Uh, I've got a... Got a big um, uh, a project, the project yeah. chart on my wall, mm-hmm. and the the saying that's um, in my mind recently, and I saw it, I can't remember where I saw it, but the magic you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding. Wow. And the thing you want to do next is in the work you haven't done yet. Wow. And that so that is so, so true. that on my wall that. The magic's in there somewhere. Yeah. And so I what we're seeing on the wall is like a load of yellow post-it notes. It's a bit like one of those <laughs> like uh, detective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're trying to find the murderer, but you're not. You're trying to find the inner artist of yeah. Jenny. <laughs> but it's all it's loads of different things. So it's yeah. like it's like my show. It's yeah. page poetry. It's prose. It's stage poetry. It's workshops. It's voiceovers. It's rebel soapbox. So it's loads of different stuff because it's like this is all the stuff I want to do. Yeah. And trying to live a creative life, and I'm and actually. I find myself avoiding and procrastinating a lot. Yeah. Um, but luckily, um, my ADHD meds uh, replace, largely pro- uh, replace procrastination with motivation. Oh, that's good. Which is yeah. like, if I've got a to-do list of things um, to, to get through. You can hone in on it. Um, yeah, but if I, if I in the morning take my meds and I've got, yeah. nothing, I've got, I don't have a to-do list, oh I gosh. end up trying to find things yeah, to do, yeah. whereas, like, if I've got a list to do, I wake up you know what to do. and just get them done. Yeah. So, yeah. There's something, like, really visual about it as well, which is quite useful, because it's rather than having it all existing in the hypothetical, which I yeah. do, it's like, I've got so many things I need to do, having, like, tangibly being able to see it on a wall. Well, the thing is, my I've got a terrible memory, mm. and if I don't do things, yes. if I don't get it out, if I don't write it down or put it on a big yeah. bit of paper and put it on my wall in front of me, put a leash on it. It ends up falling down the rabbit hole, um, and then I remember a year later, <laughs> and I think I think yeah. oh, I've, I was going to do that thing and I never got round to it. Whereas at yeah. least now it's kind of down and out. Wow, I love that. Hey, Aunt. Hey. 
You do a great job in editing this podcast, might I say. If people like the podcast, what do they need to do? Like it. What else? Follow it on social media. And then what? They could share it with every single person they know. Thanks, Ant. You can go back to your corner now. Bye. Okay, three things that make you feel like the shit. Performing. Yeah. I think, like, but not just performing, like... Not just any old performing, not any old performing, <laughs> but like when I was acting and I was, uh, you know, by the end of my acting thing, um, I was a jobbing actor and I, I hated it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't satisfying. I wasn't doing the work that I wanted. Yeah. And it wasn't the reason that I'd gotten into yeah. it. It was like I was trying to pay the bills yeah. rather than challenge being, yourself and yeah. grow and like flex yeah. your muscles and being fulfilled. Yes. And all those things. Um, whereas um, doing actually getting to the actually now getting to a point where I've written my own show and I've yeah. done it um at fringe and I'm like ready to kind of take it on a tour and all that stuff mm. that makes me feel really capable and I'm yeah. like I'm it makes me feel proud of myself that's amazing so that, that's like it's yeah. like a nice place to be yeah. and when I was at fringe um in Edinburgh um I remember I had like a few moments like this but when I was up and I was doing it and I felt an utter sense of belonging, mm-hmm. and it was really beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that makes me feel like the shit is when I feel like I belong. I I saw um, do you know Rebecca Humphreys, the actress. No, um, I think that's her name. Mm. I'll edit it out if it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But um, she is really like inspiring, and she put like an Instagram post which was things she wished she'd known about the industry before she started. Right. In it. Wow. And one of the things was to make your own work and not because not because there isn't enough work out there or anything like that but just because you owe it to yourself mm. to experience like giving birth to something and, and seeing it come to fruition and yeah. the joy of like beginning middle end of like a project and that's like really stayed with me it's so true yeah. it's like it it's just a really joyful thing to be yeah. able to but again it's like that feeling of it's like a mixture of things one it's like it's just feeling capable yeah. and and finishing a project yes yeah like turning up again it's the turning up for yourself turning yeah. up for yourself and actually it's a through line i think from our whole conversation yes that that idea that you're turning up for yourself yeah. you're becoming someone that, that you can trust you're doing something that you've said that you'll do yeah like yeah a hundred percent because fuck me there's been a lot of things that i've said that i'll do and i've not done oh, and it's like constantly it, yeah. but, but that it's so frustrating it's yeah. like I, I, I mean so many times i've thought god am i ever going to be someone that actually does yeah something uh, the things I say I'll do but you know but then you speak to my friends and they're like you're constantly doing stuff what are you talking about but it's it's like in our own heads yeah there's like I think it's that it's that idea that we're better at listening to the negative than the the positive but but making your own work has definitely felt liberating Uh, it's given me autonomy Mm. um and something to like um feel legitimate about yeah. where you can sit down in a room full of creatives and yeah. say I did this thing and they're you know when other people are going oh, I've, I made this thing and yeah. I made this thing you can also sit at that same yeah. table and that it, it, that feels that feels satisfying yeah. it feels yeah it feels it feels exciting yeah yeah it's good yeah yeah um, two other things that make me feel like the shit I always wear yellow shoes and I've got a yellow hat that I wear and they always make me feel really confident. Oh. <laughs> and 
and it's like it's that's like, so cute I'm such a child oh I love that <laughs> it is like the like I know dress how I, you want to feel yeah, yeah I have my yellow hat that uh, like I, I think I saw someone the other day when I was uh, I went to see Joelle Taylor uh, um, doing Canto at the um, the Coast is Queer yeah. in Brighton and um, I bumped into someone who used to come to Rebel Soapbox and she said I don't think I've ever seen you without that hat on <laughs> and I was like we've not seen me for a year yeah. I don't wear it in the summer I only wear it in winter but also it makes me feel really good yeah <laughs> It makes me feel. Um, it makes me feel confident. Yeah. Do you not have an item of clothing that you wear? That's... Oh yeah, definitely. What is it? It's usually jackets. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like I've got a bit of a jacket problem, right. but like because I, I can throw on like jeans and t-shirt, but then if I have like one jacket that I feel like I look really. Is that a problem? Cool. Well, I just have loads of jackets. All right. Yeah. Like too many jackets for one house to hold right. um, and because I'll just get them from charity shops all the time. Yeah. So I've just got fucking tons of them. Yeah. Um, and no one needs that many jackets because. You've only got one body. <laughs> Can't wear them all at once. Yeah. But it is that thing of, like, I'll put it on and I'll just feel, like, confident in it. Yeah. And it brings the outfit together. And suddenly I'm like, boom, I am... I've arrived. I like that. Yeah. I'm but not... I also love hats as well. Yeah. In winter, I'm a hat person. What hats do you wear? Oh, I've got, a, I've got an array of hats. Have you? The louder the hat, the better, oh actually. God, great. I've got, like, a, a, fluffy, a fluffy bucket hat, which is in a cow print. Oh my god! Which I'm a bit obsessed strong. with. I know it is. It's a strong look. I know. It is amazing. Yeah, I've got like a, I've got like a bomber jacket. Ooh. Um, uh, I was going to say fetish. Um, <laughs> sure. I've, yeah, I, I, I love a bomber jacket. Oh yeah. Bomber jackets and sneakers uh-huh. are the. I recently bought a new pair of trainers mm. yesterday, and I literally can't stop looking at them. Oh I'm, god, I'm obsessed. What colour are they? I'll show you them. Oh my god, have you got them there. Yeah. Do you know what's do you know what's funny and I'm really ashamed of myself but fashion has fucking worked on me ah! two years ago I thought they were absolutely hideous <laughs> and I judged everyone everyone with Solomons I used to call them salamanders because I thought they were fucking gross and I think and just being in London and seeing everyone wearing them like ugly trainers are in is this are people wearing is everyone, everyone, is everyone babe, wearing... everyone's wearing them hackney there's, there's a there's a page called um, what is it Real Housewives of Clapton. Oh, right, yeah, brilliant. I've seen that. It's so good. <laughs> and it's like, everyone's wearing these and, like, racer, bike... Right. Um, like sunglasses. Oh, the fact that you haven't even commented on them makes me realise that you think they're idiots. The fact that I've not commented on them means I don't live in London anymore. That's, like, you know... I mean, like, I was Listen, shocked. I was, I, was, I was shook. I was shocked when I realised people wore Crocs with socks. Babe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, disgusting. Thing. It's fucking disgusting. I, like, honestly, Nobody should be wearing that shit. Yeah, well, so my housemate is, like, very into fashion and she follows this Berlin... Um, like influencer who I don't know if you've seen these boots crop boots no 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 boots but with like a toe split oh yeah so it's like a oh, hoof yeah like a hoof and she sent me a photo and I was like hideous like someone's having a laugh with us and she's like these are gonna be big I've already started to see them in London oh, and they're God. fucking disgusting but because of those Solomons I'm like 100% I'm gonna be wearing them in two years do you know what <laughs> and also I think maybe this is an opportunity to st- let's stop judging people yeah let's just uh, Honestly, just live and let live someone's having a laugh with us though I think I think there's some fashion designer who's just like what can we make them wear now of course because yeah. the thing is if that shit's trending on TikTok, they're making a lot of money. Absolutely, yeah. Like, just yeah. all you need is a couple of, like, big hitters. Honestly. What, yeah. what else? What do you think is going to be next? I have, I have no idea. But it's, gonna, it's getting more and more bizarre. I went shopping yesterday and it was like, dresses over jeans are back with leg warmers. I remember. Leg warmers as leg well. Warmers. It's chaos. 
it's chaos out there. People I mean, don't know what they're doing. Pick a decade, no? It's, like, yeah, it's all of them. It's like it it's feels like, like that. Like, the sixties to the nineties is like throwing up whoa. on each other, and that's what fashion is at the moment. Because we all know that you know decades come back, like the fashion yeah. comes back. It's all yeah. cyclical, right? But if you want to try and just shove everything in yeah, at yeah. once, that's there's nothing be... new anymore. They're just trying to it's blend it all together. Isn't it? Hideous. Hey, absolutely. Stick hideous. with the yellow hats and the yellow shoes. Exactly. Listen, <laughs> it's like inoffensive, like. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so yellow yellow hats and yellow shoes are okay. the are the go to, um, and the last thing is I really like um, I like being able to help and give advice to people just starting out in nice. it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like or like creating a space for mm. new writers, yeah. like creating a space for for uh, new people coming up. Mm. Um, uh, I've got we've got some <clears throat> a few ideas about creating more of a ladder into it so yeah. you know do you remember uh, when Henry uh, Beckwith um, from Grooveverse was talking about trying to profession- make the yeah. make the scene more professional yes. uh, so that people get paid um, yeah. proper fees yeah um, the problem is there's no pathway there's no ladder yeah. so you've either got open mic nights or yeah. well open mic nights with a headliner yeah or you've got um, K Tempest, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, or like, yeah. or Holly McNish, yeah, yeah, you know. So like, where's the middle bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we need more professional nights, yes. you know. But but to do that, we need to do kind of like help people, yeah. Whether that's you know doing workshops, helping people with the writing, mm, looking at their performance, definitely giving them a space, giving them yeah. an open mic night to yeah. to then have an output off those workshops, yeah. Then then working uh, to try and get a feature set. Yeah. first paid set you know because for my night um, the headliner who you you're the headliner tonight right? I am <laughs> um, um, but but um, the headliner picks somebody to feature um, from the mm. open micers yeah. the next month and the feature performers get paid as That's well so, great, so yeah. it's not a lot of money but it's a well, start just to you get say paid. that you've had a paid gig for like first time for something that you, you get paid for the people put so much work in as well 100% yeah and um, and so even paying people pro- properly, I wish I could pay people better. I don't have funding because I, I, I pay people from the door. But that's the next step is trying to get arts council yeah. funding to to create a um, to create a kind of a, a ladder for people to to move up in yeah. and actually something to aspire to. So I like being able to. That's the, I enjoy being able to uh, create a platform yeah. and help people yeah. who are just starting out. That's I love that. Happens. I love that. Okay, something that makes you lose your shit in a positive way and then a negative way. Um, so, I mean, anything that I'm hyper-focusing on, mm-hmm. I lose my shit. I mean, I'm, I, bec- I obsess. Yeah. I obsess about things. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I, I, have you heard about the hobby graveyard? Have you heard the saying, hobby mm. graveyard? No. Any person with ADHD will have a hobby graveyard, and you open a, and you open I know exactly what you mean. And they will have been obsessed with something for a couple of weeks, and yeah. will have bought all the the kit and wow. think this is the new thing. Yeah. And then um, the, the dopamine will transfer to something else, yeah. and then they'll buy a new kit for something else, wow. and, and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. So I lose my shit, as in like positively about quite a lot of things, and um, I lose my shit about um, like good like talented people like I lose my shit about good writing like seeing people do their doing their like like doing their thing that's the thing about being in Edinburgh like um even if you the thing about Fringe you'll know like 
part of it is going to see stuff when it's rubbish. Yeah. Right? As well you as kind of want you want the good bad stuff. It's it's all yeah. it's all you know, you're gonna see, you know, the percentage wise, you're probably gonna see twenty five percent that's yeah. not great. And then like forty percent that's alright, yeah, and then ten percent that's good, and then yeah. then five or ten percent that's exceptional, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like um but you need that yeah. range to almost appreciate each Definitely. other. But but no matter where it is on that range, um one of the things and actually when my dad died, my dad died uh uh, well, his funeral was on the 2nd of August last year and the uh, festival started on the 8th or 9th. Yeah. Um, and I spent three weeks largely going to three shows a day on my own. Yeah. And I and I, you know, I did a couple of gigs as well, but it, it, it was the thing that really helped me. And the thing that really helped me in that was every single person that I went to see, there was a person standing in front of me doing the thing that they wanted to do. Yeah. And it didn't matter whether it was shit or not. Yeah. They were brave enough, they took a risk enough to be doing to, it. to be standing yeah. up in front of you to, doing it and yeah. and I think like that kind of stuff for me I, I I love I love watching people like in their element doing their thing like I lose my shit about that but I think that's where like the spoken word scene is so good for that because every space is just somewhere for people to be held and like yeah. no matter their ability mm-hmm. it's just a moment where they're given the same respect as the headliner and I think that's really yeah. lovely that's like really rare to to experience that in another art form, I think. Where, where else would you see that? Yeah. Literally, that's that's one of my favourite things at, at my night or in any other mm. <clears throat> any other night that I've I've done. Um, is you get people saying, "Oh, this is my first time," yeah. and you're like, "Wow, you're being not not just wow, oh, it's your first time," but they get up and they're really good, yeah. but they're nervous and they're yeah. but they're being brave. Um, and then to your point. They're, they're up there with someone who's been doing it for 15 years yeah. and there's no... Uh, it's, yeah. it, well, I was going to say it's not hierarchical, but obviously you've got a headliner, you've got a feature, you've got open micers, but in the open, even in the open mic pool, it doesn't matter. Everyone's no. everyone's on the same level. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you don't... That, I, can't, I can't think of another art form no. that you would have that. It's like a leveller. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, well, with comedy, I think people work their way up yeah. in a different way because yeah. there's more... It's more professionalized yeah. professionalized is that a word <laughs> it's more professional <laughs> yeah, yeah so like so th- there's a more of a clear um path. path and and um and people being paid better mm-hmm. and there's more there's more of the you know it's more popular it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's more mainstream i suppose yeah. comedy versus um spoken word although it's changing yeah music no you wouldn't have that no no, no. where would you no. have that in music definitely not so it is it's definitely um it's definitely a, it's a, a beautiful thing to see. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, something that makes, makes you lose your shit in a negative way? Uh, um, in a negative way, um, I, I usually lose my shit. Injustice. Yeah. Um, injustice of rude people. Yes. When people are really rude. Yeah. I just... Uh, do you know what? Let's just na- narrow it down. People, people are rude to waiting staff. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. It's the worst. No reason. It's the fucking worst. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Immediate judgment. Awful. Have you been on the receiving end of it? Have you have you done hospitality yes. much? God, yeah. Uh, I used yeah. to get it quite a lot and I, especially before before I went to drama school and stuff when it mattered so much because it was like mm. my wage and everything like that, like it's awful. It can ruin your day. Someone else's bad day can just completely shit on you. 
But also, like, imagine... Well, one, imagine going to someone's workplace and being rude to them anyway, but, like... Um, but going going out for a meal oh. and someone's getting paid, you know, minimum wage yeah. and working a 12-hour shift yeah. and you've got this asshole, yeah. <laughs> like, being, being a dickhead to you. Yeah. But I suppose it, it, it's across the board, right? I mean, I... I've I, mean, I worked in asset management for ten years. Mm. There was a lot of assholes. A lot of. Um, I mean, I'm gonna have to <laughs> just gonna try, <laughs> gonna try and find the words because I still know a few people from that time. <laughs> there was a lot of um, entitled, mm. uh, a lot of entitled uh, rich white men. Yes. That's all I'll say. <laughs> let that sit in the space. Yeah, I'm just gonna like let that hang in the air and. Um, <laughs> A moment that you found some shit out about yourself. So, grief has taught me a lot mm-hmm. about myself yeah. and about the world uh-huh. and about life. Yeah. Um, not saying that I have like the the answer to what is life at all, but <clears throat> losing my dad has changed the way that I see life. Though actually, two things: losing my friend Jason and yeah. losing my dad. Within two years of each other, Jason was very different. He had he was he had leukemia, well he had blood cancer, so we were um, we were kind of his bubble for the, his last year. But we spent the last year um, every time we saw him it was like Christmas, and um, we yeah we it, we had this the most profound um, magical sad year with him, and it was yeah. very drawn out and my dad was quite sudden <clears throat> so two very different deaths but seeing the arc of someone's story ending um, makes you see uh, I suppose like you can see it I can see it all around I can see our, we're all we're all somewhere in our arc we don't know where yeah that's, that's the thing yeah. is that's life um, but it's definitely it's weird they taught me like, so many different lessons. There's just all the lessons are happening all at once. And I think that going through grief, because you get the depths of sadness and the shock mm. and the trauma around it, <clears throat> but um, there's there's a weird, uh, profound appreciation for life that I have now that I never had before. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you kind of feel it. I feel grief... Uh, which you, have you heard, ever heard of the grief wallop? The idea that it just hits you out of nowhere. It comes from nowhere. Yeah. You could be fine. You could be getting on with your day, and then yeah. then something, and it would be might could be a small thing, it could be a big thing, and you'll be in floods of tears, and yeah. it will it will hit you, and then you'll be it. It almost comes to stick with you. There's a bit in my show where yeah. I talk about the grief creature. I had a dream about this little creature that was like a. In my dream, it was like a thumb smudge with the arms and legs, <laughs> but it's like a spirit animal almost. Yeah. That everyone who felt grief had this little, <clears throat> had it with them, beside them. So everyone could see that you were in grief. You could see that he was in grief. So you wouldn't have to explain it. Explain it or tell people, oh, my dad died, and then people don't know what to say to you. Yeah. You know, so the, the, the thing comes to sit with you, but weirdly, what at points 
there's like a joy, there's like a weird joy that comes with it. it not joy for the loss, but like uh, joy and gratitude, I suppose. It's like a gratitude and a, um, an appreciation that I never, I never thought would come um, from that. It's weird. I guess it's, it's one of those things that whenever big life-altering moments like that happen, it just puts things dramatically into perspective. And yeah. suddenly all the massive things that felt so important suddenly feel really insignificant. A hundred percent. And I think that it's that idea that, um, well, now I'm trying to live a creative life. I want to do my thing now because I yeah. I'm, I can't not do my thing now. Yeah. I, I need to do it. That's like, I, I have to... Because um, nobody knows how long they've got. Yeah. You might as well do the thing that if you can do it, try and try and make it happen. But it's um, it definitely a lot of stuff stops mattering. Um, and also, I, f- I feel like the, my priorities have changed. Yeah. I don't the things I used to find fun. I don't really find fun anymore. Mm. Um, the things you like I said before, the things I found joy in before. It, I actually, I think um, now, and I think this hand-in-hand hand with therapy has allowed me to really understand what it is that I need mm. in life and what it is that I really want. Yes. Because I used to have an idea of what I wanted, but yeah. I'm not sure that, 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 that it was the thing that would have made me happy. Yeah. Whereas now I I can't be anything other than myself. I feel completely stripped back yeah. and the like most authentic version of myself now. Yeah. And actually that's what is, you know, that your question is, when did you learn some shit about yourself? This is what it's taught me, is like I don't have a stall to set out anymore. Yeah. I'm just me. And it's like, as much as it's a really vulnerable place mm. to be in, it actually makes things less complicated. Yeah. Because I think I need directness from people and I need to be, and I'm direct with people. Yeah. And it, it's taken out all the bullshit. Is it, it sounds like it's more of like an awareness of time as well. Yeah. And like that we only have a certain amount of time. And I think when, when you haven't experienced grief in a certain way, you can kind of, you know, naively go about thinking, oh, I've got all the time in the world. Like yeah. that, that dream that I have can exist in the distant future because I'll get around to it some, some time. But yeah. when something like this hits you, it's like the awareness of, you actually have to take a hold of things and make things happen for yourself because mm. you you never know. Like, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I think I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that um, we I think we live in a culture that that people expect things to happen for them. Yeah. But actually, the turning up for yourself, mm. like being disciplined enough to like. Pull something together for yourself, mm. completing the project, yeah. doing all that stuff. Um, that's the stuff that will make that's that's the stuff that will make you feel fulfilled. Yes. Um, and it doesn't matter how much time we've got left. Yeah. You want to feel fulfilled in it, and yeah. I think that's the thing that this has taught me. Yeah. It's like I don't, um, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to dick about anymore. Yeah. I want to just, I want to be doing the stuff. Yeah. Um, because, because what's the point otherwise? Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Okay, shittest piece of advice you received? Oh, well, it was like, get a real job was one of them. Mm. <laughs> and I don't think my dad was wanting to give me shit advice, but, like, <laughs> we're just different. Because, because I, I spent a long time 
I mean, out of necessity as well, because mm-hmm. London's an expensive place and we all need to eat, right? Um, but um, what I found was I put myself away in a box mm-hmm. um, to get a real job yeah, and have a pension and a... And and healthcare, which is mm-hmm. great, yeah. But also, but then I, the sacrifice that I made was that I was kind of not not living my authentic yeah. life, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did have I always had creative stuff outside of work, yeah, which I kind of always tried to get off the ground, mm-hmm. which was which was fun in itself. But I never, um, I just I was always quite scared of um of jumping. Mm. I think that was that bit, that bit of advice. Yeah. Not only kind of the idea that what you do as a creative isn't real, mm. <laughs> so then it makes you doubt. Yeah. You're kind of. It's just what we've. Your existence, society, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 it's about. I mean, how is how is being cre- creative any less real than sitting at a computer and punching in numbers like? Well, 100%. It's just we value one more than we value the other yeah. within our society. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I suppose it's all, it's material, isn't it? Mm. It comes down to material stuff. Yeah. It's like for people who are pragmatic and business focused, um, dicking about on stage and writing stuff, well, it's not going to make you any money, so yeah. why would you want to do that? Yeah. This is a real job. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I suppose rather than it being... Uh, the shit is piece of advice. Yeah. I would say I wish I hadn't believed it. Yeah. Or I wish I hadn't put so much on it. Yeah. Okay. Shit, you wish you'd known sooner. I wish I started writing earlier. I wish I'd started making my own work mm-hmm. earlier, and I yeah. wish I'd done that when I was acting. Okay. Because I think it would have looked really different for me yeah. if I had. And well, I don't know whether it comes with age or like confidence or mm-hmm. or life experience yeah. or you know. Um, would I have been a good writer at 21 mm. or 24? I don't, I don't know if I would, because actually mm-hmm. the stuff I write about is the stuff that I've lived, so... Yeah. Um, but I, I wish that I had believed in the possibilities a lot sooner than I have now. Yeah. OK, we're now at the shit shot. So that is a photo that, to the outside eye, looks like you had your shit together, yeah. but at the actual time you didn't. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, um, it's it's a photo that I used for my headshot. Uh huh. Um, for my for my um, performance poetry. Yeah. And it was actually it was like a self portrait because I needed new headshots, and it was during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I was making a video for BYOB Poetry because it's headlining them online. Yeah. Um, and I I took some photos, and it was about a week before I was moving out of my house uh-huh. in Stoke Newington. I'd lived there for ten years. Yeah. Um, my friend Jason was dying. Yeah. Um, I'd just been moved to London. Um, yeah. The pandemic was happening. Yeah. Um, I was in the throes of my ADHD traits were through the roof, and I couldn't think straight. Mm-hmm. And I was um, it, I was properly like (laughs) I was like properly depressed I couldn't get myself out of it but the thing is about being a performer or an actor or whatever it is where you've got to stand up in front of people and switch it on Mm. it's not very healthy is it no (laughs) but the problem is we 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 have to um that's one of the things I actually really struggle with I think with performing is that idea yeah 
um, if things are chaotic for me yeah. or if things are volatile yeah. in a relationship or <clears throat> if I've got stuff going on, yeah. um, ha- having to stand up in front of people and pretend things are okay is like, it's starting now to be a hard push. Yeah. I don't know it's how capable I am yeah, yeah, yeah. of it. As I can't, definitely am not as capable yeah. of doing it as I used to be, yeah. um, where I used to really have to switch. When I was doing telly stuff, yeah, you have, yeah, you're having yeah. a close-up and you're like... Oh, my gosh. You've Five since bed. Yeah, yeah. you just got to yeah. park it. And it's yeah. like... It, 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 that, that in itself is kind of a skill to be able yes. to park it. Yeah, and actually, yeah. like, I suppose it's... You have um, to make the choice to park it or use it, I think. You kind of lean into it. And, depends what you're doing. Yeah, so yeah, what yeah. scene you're doing. You know, yeah. if it's the scene where you've got to lose your shit, yeah. then it's great, you know. But, um, but I definitely feel that... Um, Maybe actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna like take a backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's big. Well, I find it really. I've historically found it really difficult to regulate my emotions yeah. when I this when I was younger, mm-hmm. and when I was acting and there was stuff going on. Um, I find it really difficult to park things because yeah. I felt it. I physically, I would embody whatever was happening, mm-hmm. and actually, maybe it's a lesson in learning how to yeah. separate yourself from yeah. your emotions yeah yeah is that is, does that sound healthy or not i don't know it's like it, i suppose it's reg, it's self-regulating yeah. isn't it how do you soothe how do you self-soothe how do you self-regulate um mm. i suppose that's different than than having to pretend yeah it's not i remember when i was speaking to Layla josephine and she was saying one of the things that she started to explore now is like at, you know at what cost do we as artists or we as poets yeah. have to expose our vulnerabilities in ourselves? And, like, you know, I, I feel it's a line that I tread in terms of, like, my willingness to be vulnerable about certain things, but actually holding some of your self back. Like, yeah. you know, writing and poetry for me is my form of therapy and how mm. I how I work through things, but I don't necessarily have to put those on stage. Yeah. And, like, choosing the ones that I have capacity for and aren't, you know, it's okay to hold some things back for yourself. Yeah, 100%. I think that's... Um, I think it's really important to... Mm. Especially if you're making autobiographical work, to ring fence your heart. Yes. To make sure that you're not... Um, you're not self-harming every mm. time you stand up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in doing my show and having to, and speaking about my dad... Yeah. Um, there have been points where I've gone... Right, two things... I need to check in. One, am I ready to tell this story? Yeah. And then two, well, does anyone want to listen to this story? Yeah, yeah. But then, then there's a third thing, which is, um, does this make it worse? That does me standing up here and, re- and, it, and relaying it yeah. every day. <clears throat> does it does it make it worse? Yeah. But actually, um, there's an element of scripting that goes around that I've that I've put into my show yeah so I'm not reliving the thing the yeah. the, the, the feelings that yeah. I had I'm telling the story yeah it's like the it's the facts yeah I'm telling the facts I'm not talking about my relationship with my dad yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at there's a lot of the stuff that I, I don't talk about yeah I won't talk about because it was deeply personal it's really yeah. traumatic still it's kind of not I'm still processing that but um the being able to tread the line mm. actually can be really cathartic. Yes, definitely. And and I think that it also trickles into your life De- of yeah. being able to be vulnerable. Yeah. 
because if we're not if we can't be vulnerable with the, the people in our lives then again what's the point right yeah and I think that making art allow, allows a doorway into being yeah, more vulnerable definitely. So, yeah yeah okay so Jenny mm-hmm. have you got your shit together absolutely not <laughs> Hey, listen, I don't think anyone's got their shit together. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, you know, everyone can set a stall out. Yeah. Uh, I don't have my shit together all the time. Sometimes I do. Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I belong. Other times I feel like, what the fuck am I doing yeah. with my life? But ultimately, um, I feel like as long as we all know that not everyone's got their shit yeah. together, it doesn't really matter. Because we're all in it together, I suppose. Yeah, and that's a secret. Yeah, it's yeah. a secret, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Oh, for thank you so much. Yay! <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This podcast is produced by Ant Hickman. The artwork is produced by Tim Saunders, and the photography is by Patch Bell. A massive thank you to Cassia for letting us use their song Slow. See you on the next episode of Have You Got Your Shit Together? Now and then I'm just a little bit low I always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you